Back to the Lab with your host, Brad Bolt. Welcome back to the Lab. Back to the Lab. Welcome back to the Lab. Back to the Lab. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Brad Bolt Show, part of the NFL Lab Network. We're joining you after a couple of weeks off due to the Christmas holiday break and people being in and out and unable to get back on to record some of these episodes for you. So if you're coming back again, thank you for joining us. And as always this week, joining me, my co-host, the Yeti, the Beard, the man himself, Dan O'Connell. Dan, how is it going, mate? Brad, I'm going good. Merry late Christmas to you and everyone listening. And we're about to hit New Year's, so it's always a busy time of the year. So trying to get recordings in doesn't always happen. Doesn't always happen, especially too at the, at this time of year. Everyone's busy with work and family things, and suddenly next thing you know, a week and a half passed, and you haven't you've barely been able to do anything. So, but yes, uh, happy late Christmas to you and a merry uh, happy happy New Year and. Um, to everyone else so what we're just going to do is we're going to go through this week's slate of games give our predictions over the winners some of these games we'll just breeze through because we don't really care necessarily a lot about them so but we'll see how we go all the way through so what we're going to do is we'll start with the game which is happening on sunday australian time saturday U.S. time, it's Detroit Lions versus the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. And Dallas currently are minus four and a half on the line against the Lions at this one. So, Dan, thoughts on this Dallas-Detroit game? Minus four and a half is pretty surprising to me because I thought it would have been about one and a half, two and a half. Mm. So, I guess the home field advantage for Dallas is giving them the edge, but even though, I don't know, like, I think teams would be loving to go play at that stadium there. So I think, is it really a home field advantage for them or not? I think it's probably more so to do with that Detroit defense has been pretty porous against the run as of late. So I guess they're sort of thinking that the way that Dallas has tried to establish Tony Pollard on the ground this year, they might be able to run rough shot. Maybe there's still a little bit of um, thought that this Detroit Lions team isn't necessarily contenders. They're a bit more pretenders so far. That's the other... That yeah, was my other thought to too. The common theme with them, they haven't, yeah, they've had a couple of games where they should have won and they didn't against the opponents. So it's going to be for an early game. It's going to be weird having for us a Sunday game, but it could be just the perfect way. Like we've already had the game obviously on Friday here, mm. but just it could be this sort of game could be the way to just set the tone for the whole week. Yeah. It, it's it, a massive game. Like it's so important for Detroit as well because they're still in the hunt for the number one seed. Mm. And Dallas are getting it as well. So I also think too this will this would actually show whether this Detroit for a lot of people whether this Detroit Lions team is actually real contenders or if this is just going to be a nice story of them getting into the playoffs. They may win a game, but then they potentially could get bounced round one. Like this is for yeah. a lot of people. This is where they think what they will probably think coming into this game. And they've lines. clinched the NFC North as well. So mm. where do they stand after clinching the NFC North? It's been the first time they've ever done it. Yeah. Yeah. So should be an interesting game. I still think I think Dallas has just got a bit too much firepower all over 
all over the park. And then, you know, even on that, on the defense, they've just got, you know, these guys who've just stepped up this year, Deron Bland, you know, um, you were expecting to have this, uh, you know, all-star sort of cornerback room with uh, Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Gilmore, and then, of course, Diggs going down injured and Gilmore stepped up and played played amazing again. But I just feel like Dallas has just got a little bit too much all over the park and they pulled this one out. Yeah, I've tipped Dallas in this as well. I just think they'll be too strong with how they're playing at the moment. Yeah. Now we move on then to a potential game of the year, which feels like we say this every single week is a game of the year, but this one really could be. It's the Miami Dolphins versus the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Baltimore are three and a half point favorites in this game, which I was a little bit surprised by. I was expecting it to be closer to maybe one, one and a half type of, of range, but yeah, this is going to be oh, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch this game. Yeah, this is the sort of game at the end of the season that you're just looking forward to. And both offenses can put up points. We know what Miami can do. And if Baltimore have Lamar playing at a high rate again this week. But from Baltimore eleven and twelve and three? Uh Baltimore are twelve and three and the Dolphins are eleven and four. Baltimore are one of the quietest twelve and three teams I think I can remember. Yeah. Like there's not a whole heap of talk about them. Like there's a bit of Super Bowl buzz building about them, but you're not hearing them everywhere. Like Miami have been talked up a lot. Obviously, Buffalo people fall in love with them, but Baltimore have just been going about their business, and they've only dropped three games on the year. Yeah. So looking looking at the standings too, this game is going to be very important for that number one seed because if Baltimore wins this game, they clinch the one seed in the AFC. So they'll get that first round by. But you've got 12 and 3 Ravens, 11 and 4 Dolphins. If the Ravens Ravens lose this and the Dolphins win, they're both 12 and 4 and the Dolphins I think get the tiebreaker then because of the win so they'll go they would be first in the AFC. And I was just looking at these standings. The insane thing is the team with the the next best team in the AFC record-wise is actually the Cleveland Browns who have the 5 seed in the playoffs due to the seeding. So they're really at the moment, the third best team in the AFC and yet they'll have the five seed. <laughs> How insane is it that Cleveland just doing what they're doing? Like we've talked about coach of the year candidates. Kevin Stefanski has to be up there. Mm. Like we're not hearing about him being mentioned too much in there, but geez, he's got to be in with such a good shot with how they're playing. Cause you think, you think though too, it's, it's, Kevin Stefanski with, obviously, at the start of the year, you're expecting um, Nick Chubb, obviously, for the season. You're expecting Deshaun Watson, this guy who they spent an absolute fortune on in draft capital and in money-wise to be leading this team. And now you're getting to the the pointy end of the season and you've got Joe Flacco. um, You know, you've got receivers injured left, right and centre. You've had offensive linemen out. You've got... And yet they still keep winning. It's just, it's just insane what they've been doing. But um, yeah, this this game is going to be interesting. Like I said, for the playoff picture, number one seed on the line. It's it's really should be one of those ones where we look back at this. You would hope. I would love this to be one of those 37-35 type shootout games. Would be oh, incredible yeah. to watch. Yeah, and it wouldn't shock me at all if that's what we get either. Yeah, so who who have you got in this one? Uh, I've got Baltimore. 
I've given them the edge here. I, it's one of those games again where it's just not confident though. Mm. Like you could go either way on this and not be confident about actually tipping it. Yeah, but I've just gone Baltimore. I think Lamar's playing really well, and being at home, clinching that first seed. I just think they'll be right up for it and just have enough to pull it out. See, I'm torn. I really want to pick Miami for the pure fact that I really like that team and that offense and what they could do. And But I feel like it's too hard to pick them now that Jalen Waddle's out for this game. He's already been ruled out. So I know that sort of seems weird to say that with that, the second choice wide receiver out is going to make all the difference. But it, I really think that it does because just the the ability to have Tyreek and Waddle line up, it sort of tilts the field. So actually, no, I'm going to pick Miami. I'm going to go for the, I'm going to go for Miami to win and cause havoc in the, because then I want to see that come down to the final game of the season to go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who's coming, who's going to get this number one seed, who's playing their best players, who's going to rest their guys for the, the playoffs. So I'm, I'm going to go Miami because I, nothing against Baltimore. I just, I, I don't know. I just really like this this Miami team. I know that a lot of people are down on them because they'll say, you know, they can't beat anyone. But um, yeah, no, I, I think Miami gets just gets over the line, and Tyreek ends up having one of those enormous days where he goes for one seventy, one eighty. Is what I'm ho- what I think might happen, or what I'm hoping happens. Hoping, yeah, more hoping, yeah, more hoping, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of thing can happen in the blink of an eye for him, anyway. So yeah. I mean, you could see what happened, um, you know, one 70-yard pass in the first quarter and then another 20-yard completion. He's already had 100 yards at the yeah. end of the first quarter. So yeah. we'll see there. Next game, I don't think we have to go into too much. It's Buffalo at home against the New England Patriots. Buffalo need to keep winning to make sure they get this playoff spot. They're currently in the hunt and they would be... If the playoffs were today, based on the standings, they would be the sixth seed, but they just need to keep winning based off the fact they want to stay in because there's so many teams behind them on eight, eight and seven. Buffalo are 13 and a half point favorites over the Patriots. So yeah. I am just going to just say Buffalo on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Patriots aren't going to beat them. As up and down as Buffalo are and as concerning as they've been in some games, you just can't see Patriots sticking with them. No. Nah. So move on to the next game is a NFC matchup. It's the Atlanta Falcons at the Chicago Bears. The Bears are two and a half point favorites in this. Uh, once again, I'm not sure this one is we need to spend a lot of time on. I don't think like Atlanta would need to win and have some results going their way to try and make it into those um, NFC playoffs. Chicago, uh, I guess, trying to evaluate what they do with the potential having the number one pick in the draft this year, whether they go Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or Drake May or they trade pit, whatever they do. I'm going to go Chicago at home against the Falcons. I've also tipped Chicago. I don't like tipping them, but them getting another win is a good thing as well as a Packers fan. But I just think that Justin Fields will be able to do enough with his legs and complete enough passes against Atlanta to be able to put up enough points to win, I think. But I don't trust Atlanta. But I, have they gone back to Desmond Ritter or are they still with... I think it's Heineken. I, think I, I don't know. I, I, 
I'm not sure, to be honest. It's yeah. just well, they never know. Know they've gone back to Ruta this week. It's just all over the place there. It's it's one of those things though too. Both teams t- still technically are in the playoff hunt, but both would need to win their final two games and have results go their way for other teams for them to make it. So look, I really like actually what Chicago's been doing with their defense the last few weeks and I I like Justin Fields, you know that. You know, I've been a big Justin Fields fan and I just think he needs a new situation. I think he needs to get out of Chicago. So yeah. in a yeah. way I hope that Chicago do go and pick a quarterback in the draft and they send Justin Fields somewhere where he's got the ability to shine and yeah, just, just have, have weapons around and show what he can really do. So yep. uh, moving on to the next game, Tennessee Titans at Houston Texans, Houston are four and a half point favorites. I think Houston wins. I think CJ Stroud is back this week, but yep. even so, even without CJ Stroud, I still think Houston are too good for the Titans. Yeah. I've gone Houston as well. I think CJ Stroud tips it in their favour, but yeah, I think they're just good enough to beat them. And Houston are one of those teams that are eight and seven who need some wins to get into the playoffs, which there's a team that's coming up soon we might talk about, but I think they overtake them with a win here this weekend and end up as the division leaders and get themselves a playoff spot this year. Next game, the Las Vegas Raiders are at Indianapolis. The Colts are three and a half point favorites, which once again I think is quite is too high. I actually think this is more of a this should more this line should be more one. Um, yeah. I know Indy have been they're another team in the playoff hunt. I know they've been quite good, but that and I know that Las Vegas won last week with Aiden O'Connell not completing a pass for the last three quarters of the game, but. I just like what they become under Antonio Pierce. That to me, they sort of remind me of those old school Raiders teams, like the the tough defense. They're not really, they're not always the best offensive teams, but they're gritty. That that just sort of for me, just just how I feel about the Raiders. I think the Colts get over the line just based off of you know importance like you know i know it sounds weird saying it but their importance of the game and them trying to win and being at home i think they just get over the line but i don't think it's going to be a huge scoring game i think it's going to be a a, a drag them out sort of game and indy just gets across the line here yeah it could be a kind of first to 17 points even yeah. not even that high but it's impressive what antonio pierce has done with the culture at las vegas there since coming in and that culture was a disaster before he came in. So it's good to see what he's done, and they're playing for him. So anytime a team's doing that for their coach, then anything can happen. But Minshew Mania, I think, just does enough. Jonathan Taylor's back there. I think the Colts win at home. Yeah. Uh, I'm just – I'm going to skip – I didn't tell you about this. I'm going to skip the the next game on the list, and we'll come back to that as the last one, before the second-to-last game. Uh, move on to because we can knock a couple of these other ones out. Uh, LA Rams are at the New York Giants. Rams are five and a half point favorites on the road. I think the Rams are too good for the Giants, and the Rams end up winning and get themselves a playoff spot this year. Yeah, and it's been a good season for the Rams. I don't think many people thought they'd make the playoffs. I thought they'd be a top five pick even this year. They just they've got Stafford playing well. He's been healthy. Puka Nakua obviously has been an absolute stud at wide receiver and he's almost overtaken Cooper Cup completely, I think, which 
Uh, nobody would have seen that coming at the start of the year, even after Pukunukua came out the gates like he did. But, yeah, I think Rams are far too good in this one. I think five and a half is even low. Yeah. I guess they're maybe allowing that for the fact that maybe it's Tyrod who's starting this week as opposed to Tommy Cutlets. Yeah. So... Uh, next game, Arizona at Philadelphia. Philly are minus 11.5-point favourites here. It it sort of seems high, but also low. Like, it's really hard with this Philly team. You keep expecting them to turn it on and have this dominant performance, but it's just not coming not, around but, at yeah, all. It's not happening for them, is it? So it's it's not this team that we they were last year. And it's surprising i still think philly wins and probably wins comfortably but it's surprising to have seen that this philly team doesn't re- like look anything like what the team was that it was last year that made the super bowl yeah i see like 10 point win for them this this week 27-17 type of game yeah but the interesting thing jonathan gannon going back up against his old team mm. how's he going to go about that does, what does he come out with and yeah i don't think it'll be enough obviously to get Arizona over the line, but can they keep it close? And as much as much as people don't, you know, there's a lot of people throw around the word, the tanking word and things like that. There's not too many teams in the NFL who do tank, but... No, the players aren't doing it. No, but this Arizona team, I just think they're so needing that influx of talent which they can get in this upcoming draft, whether it be offensive line offensive weapons, defensive weapons, whatever it might be. I just think for them, they should, not that they should lose. I think they will lose, but that's, you know, their sort of priority now is focusing on what they do come in the off season. Yeah. And you've, like, where do they go with Kyler Murray? Yeah. That's the other thing too. It's yeah, Kyler Murray needs a couple of big weeks to finish the season. Yeah. And, and Arizona's in that position too, a bit like Chicago where they could trade their high pick that they get if they want to build around Kyler and, you know, they could potentially raffle that pick off for multiple first round picks in, you know, this draft, future draft, seconds, whatever to move back. Or they could potentially trade Kyler and get an equally similar type of package to build around their new rookie quarterback if that was the way that they would sort of look at going. So yeah. uh, next game is, I think, will determine the winner of the NFC South. It's the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay are two-and-a-half-point favourites. I think Tampa Bay have been playing really well. Baker Mayfield has really shut everyone up this year as to his type of play. It's not been to the level that you go, okay, he's now one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but it's actually sort of reminiscent. Unless he's playing the Packers, but yep. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's very reminiscent of, I guess, sort of what, his rookie season that he had in Cleveland where he gave that Cleveland fan base that hope and that faith of, you know, what he could develop into. So I think Tampa Bay get the win this week. Uh, New Orleans, I, I I don't know what to think about them. I think they could be one of those teams in the offseason who's looking for a new head coach. Um, yeah. And the result of this game could go a long way to determining that, yeah, Dennis Allen could be on his way out. Yeah, I think there'll be a fair amount of turnover in New Orleans over the off season. I don't, I mean, I don't think they can move on from Derek Carr, but I don't think they'd be overly comfortable with him either. No, still now, so which is, I mean, first season there has been an absolute disaster kind of thing. But yeah, I think Baker Mayfield's playing really well, and I was surprised. Like I know he, I said a lot when he beat the Packers. 
But his season's been really good this so far, and he's been putting up good numbers, and he's been fairly consistent as well. So I think yeah. him with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and then Rashad White's been a lot better than I expected as well this year. So I think they're just too good for New Orleans, and they'll get over the line and yeah. take out that division. Yeah, um, same with you there. Next game is the 49ers on the road against the Commanders, and the 49ers are 14.5-point favourites on the road. I think they get this win comfortably, and it's one of those types of games that if San Francisco come out and play incredible and Brock Purdy throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns and... They dismantle Washington and Lamar Jackson has one of those games where it's nothing to write home about. There's a very good chance that Brock Purdy does jump back into the leader of the clubhouse for that MVP race again amongst the quarterbacks. Yeah, it just shows where the MVP race is sitting at the moment this year. Purdy coming off of what, four interception game and then mm. he can jump straight back into MVP leader odds. He he really, it really should be going, it really should this year go to either Tyreek or Christian McCaffrey, but we know yeah. there's a very good chance that won't happen. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I think I saw Jacoby Brissett was going to be starting for Washington, but now he might not be because he had hamstring issues. They're so, missing their two. I think they're missing their two starting corners as well. So, you've got other. your second and third string or your third and fourth string cornerbacks playing against Brendan Ayuk and Debo Samuel. It's the not 49 a... is coming off a bad loss as well. And this Kyle Shanahan being disaster for yeah. Washington. Yeah. I reckon this could be like a, one of those what, 25, 30 point wins. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. If you yeah. if I flick on the TV, because I probably that's probably not going to be a game I'm watching much of, but if I happen to flick over and see the score and I see that it's late in the game and the 49ers are up 49 to six, I won't be like, wow, that's surprising. I'd be like, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. Like it's not going to yeah. be a shock. So that's it. Uh, next game. Uh, these, a couple of these games do have um, uh, playoff ramifications. This is one of them. Pittsburgh are at Seattle. Seattle are three and a half point favorites, which I feel like is a little bit rich, but I mean, they, Pittsburgh played this weird game last week with Mason Rudolph and he's starting again. And Seattle sort of seemed like that team that you don't know what you're getting week to week from them. But I feel like in Seattle, I'm going to give the slight edge to the Seahawks. And I feel like this three and a half points is probably too high on this one. Yeah, I'm picking Seattle as well. But both these teams, you just don't know what to expect week to week. Yeah. So you're not picking either of them confidently at all. But no. I think Seattle, no reason other than I just don't trust Pittsburgh. Yeah, that that's sort of my thinking too. You never know what you're getting with this Pittsburgh team week to week. Same with Seattle really too. So uh, next game, LA Chargers are at Denver Broncos. We've obviously seen the news that's popped out in the last couple of days that Denver has demoted Russell Wilson to the second string quarterback behind Jarrett Stidham. It looks like that Russell Wilson is actually on his way out in Denver. It appears that he's going to be cut before he's even taken a snap with his new five-year extension that he signed when he was traded. So this year is still actually under his old contract with Seattle. So his extension money was supposed to kick in from next year. 
If he does get cut, it's an $87 million dead cap for the Broncos next year. And it all sort of has stemmed, if you haven't seen this, it's all sort of stemmed from the fact that he's got an injury guarantee. So if he gets injured in the last two games, he gets guaranteed $37 million next year that they have to yeah. pay him. He was asked during their bye week to rework his contract and move his injury guarantee, and he said no, and it seems like the NFLPA has got involved in all of the conversations, and they, the Broncos pretty much said, if you don't move your guarantee, we're going to bench you for the rest of the year. They've held off until now, and now he's benched, and it appears, yeah, he's on his way out, and Sean Payton will have whatever he needs to say as to reason why it didn't work, and it just sort of seems like a... To me, it just seems like an absolutely terrible situation when Sean Payton, if he was wanting to come back to coaching, could have picked any team in the NFL. He picked the Denver Broncos. He picked that knowing the situation with Russell Wilson and now Russell Wilson looks like he's on his way out the door. Yeah, it's a bit of a disaster over there, isn't it? Like, you just, there's got to be a lot going on. Obviously, the injury guarantee is massive. Mm. But Russell Wilson hasn't been as awful as you'd expect compared to what he was last year. Nah. So for them to just flat out bench him now, it's yeah, it's basically bye bye, Russ. There's yeah. no way he can be there next year. No. It, just, look, it shows players get talked bad about, or I guess talk bad about a lot when they sign these ridiculous contracts. They want more money all the time. But then teams turn around and do this to them. And it's like, well, can you blame them trying to get what they want when they can? Yeah, exactly. And I think I think the thing is too is like I said, this wasn't this wasn't a situation where Denver brings in Sean Payton and on the day that he gets hired, it's like, by the way, we've also just made a trade just before just after you signed your contract and we've got Russell Wilson and you're lumped with him. Like yeah. Russell Wilson was there. Sean Payton could have picked, like I said, any of the job openings that were that were up. You know, he he sort of he was you know, going through a bunch of them, he could have gone to nearly any team if he wanted to go work with a rookie quarterback. The other thing he could have done too, he could have sat out for another 12 months and come back next year, knowing full well and good that there was maybe an opening in Chicago where he might have been able to pick his quarterback or whatever he might have been able to do. So it just seems like pretty piss poor form actually by the Broncos all around to do this. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Russell Wilson fan as it is, but you know, to, to be able to do this for, I could, under, like I said, I could understand too. And you'd, I think you'd be the same if Russell Wilson had had a year where the Broncos were now two and 12, two and 13, whatever it is, Russell Wilson's thrown for nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. has just made terrible plays all around. Then you could sort of understand, right. That's the yeah. second year of him not playing well back to back years. Then yeah, sure. Why not? But like you yeah. said, he's not played that bad this year. Yeah, no, it's just all this over money, it seems like, and they've just kicked the player to the curb, essentially, because, yeah, he won't want to go back there, obviously, and then there's no way that they can make it work after this. Nah, and if they are going to be cutting him, which is sort of what's been reported that they're going to, like he's just going to be out on the open market, there's going to be some teams next year who are looking for a quarterback. Some of them might not necessarily want to or be in the position to draft a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, and they may not trust these other guys in terms of 
you know, your Bo Nixes, your Jaden Daniels, your JJ McCarthy, like whoever it might be, they might not trust them. So it'll be interesting to see where Russell Wilson ends up. It would be ironic if he ends up back in Seattle, to be honest. Yeah, I can't imagine that's going to happen, but it would be funny. I'm trying to think of where Russell Wilson might end up. And it's sort of, to me, I'm coming back to New England, maybe Washington, but... Washington would be an interesting one. I mm. don't obviously know where they stand on Sam Howell, but he's being benched in and out of the lineup, so would be an interesting one there. And it's sort of the thing is though, and this is where the interesting thing is, like there's a lot of thought that uh Ron Rivera will be out at the end of the year as head coach. So will the new head coach want to give Sam Howell a try or if that's the case, or say if it's Eric Bieniemy who ends up taking over and becomes head coach, would Eric Bieniemy, after working with Sam Howell, would he be like, yes, I want to keep him or no, I want to move on. So once again, it's all these sort of different iterations, but uh, in terms of this game, I think Denver just gets over the line. I don't trust the charges and Eastern stick. And with all that being said, obviously Denver as well. You've got Keenan Allen out. Eastern stick at quarterback. Yeah, no. Nah. I will be avoiding this game like the plague. Speaking of avoiding like the plague, this line is ridiculous for this next game. It's the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I say it's ridiculous because we've all seen what Kansas City's been like. So the last eight games, I'm not sure if you heard this stat. I did it just previously, and it sort of blew my mind. Over the last eight games, what do you think the Kansas City Chiefs record is over the last eight games? Three and five. Do they, they exact? It's three and five. That's what it is. I honestly, in my mind, sort of thought that it was like four and four at the absolute worst, maybe five and three. And when you go over the last eight and they're three and five, and you're like, okay, they're playing Cincinnati Bengals, who, yes, I know it's not Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, but. Why are the Kansas City Chiefs six-and-a-half-point favourites against Cincinnati? Yeah, and Jake Browning's looked good as well. Mm. They've played well. Kansas City has been not good for most of the year. No. I'd say like they're not what you expect, but they haven't even been that good. And so it's definitely going to be an interesting game. They say six and a half is pretty big because you just Kansas City aren't scoring points, and and that's what I mean. Like with it seems like from what I've had a look at, it seems like uh, Cincinnati's going to have Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and like Joe Mixon playing, so they're going to have their full complement of guys besides Joe Burrow. So that you, but as you said, Jake Brown has been playing pretty well, but I'm not sure in this game if I can see how the Kansas City Chiefs would win by seven points or more against the Cincinnati team. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. Funnily enough, though, I've actually tipped Kansas City, but I definitely don't have them winning by much. I, I've got Kansas City to win at home, but I don't think it's going to be set. Like, I'm thinking it's like two, three points max this is, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, this is a field goal type game. Yeah, this to me seems like it's a field goal or it's one of those ones where just the last, you know, last drive of the game and a field goal gets kicked and it puts them up by one or two and wins the game before time expires. Like, I'm not... Yeah. A, look, and, and we could be wrong and Kansas City could come out after the last couple of weeks and really blow everyone out of the water and you'd be surprised 
you know, that okay, they win 20 by 20 points or something. Like to me, that would be a bit of a surprise just based off of how they've been playing lately. But it's just really hard to see. As you said, there's just Travis Kelsey's not quite the same as what he has been previously. Like he just looks at steps slower and he's not getting as much separation as before. That which wide receiver on that team do you trust? Like it's it's yeah. That just seems too high to me. Yeah, it's basically everything's on Pat Mahomes and he's not playing at the normal elite level that we're used to. And mm. you just see with like Travis Kelsey not being up at his elite level is just making such a difference to that offense. Yeah. And they've got no one that can step up to take his place. Yeah. And it really, to me, it really is going to show that don't be surprised in this offseason if Kansas City just double or triple dips in free agency or and the draft at wide receiver or even even like a, a tight end type of, you know, a guy who's sort of a, a playmaker, pass catcher sort of type of person. Like to me, it wouldn't be shocking if they tried to sign a, a T Higgins or a somebody like that type of player, plus then maybe draft someone else in the in the draft as well and really bulk up that room. So Yeah, it needs to happen. We've said it the last couple of years especially, and mm. they've just kept avoiding it, putting it off. It's reached the point now where it just needs to happen because when once Kelsey retires, which he maybe another year, two years tops, Ooh. they're going to struggle big time for pass catchers the way they're set up at the moment. Yeah. Right. So I've left the last two games to talk about our two teams. So uh, we'll go with just based on the fact that it's the, the last of the day games. So Carolina at Jacksonville. Now Jacksonville are three and a half point favorites looking at the spread. And that's after the news has come out that Trevor Lawrence is out for this game and CJ Beathard is going to be starting. Three and a half sort of seems a bit high based off of off of that news because this Jacksonville team is so even with Trevor Lawrence have been so up and down this year. Like you look at them some weeks and you're like, you could be one of the best. You look like one of the best teams in the NFL. And then they come out the next week and put an absolute stinker up for most of the game. And you go, what, what on earth happened? That? <laughs> and not that, not that they've, it's been anything to write home about, but these last two weeks have been Carolina's best two games that they've played all season was the win that they had against Atlanta. And then the comeback that nearly was against Green Bay last week. So to me, I and this isn't just because of my fandom, but I'm going Carolina here because I don't like. Do you trust CJ Beathard? No, no. So, so that no. that's the thing. And, and against a against an inconsistent Jacksonville team who had Trevor Lawrence, it gives me poor. Like it would give me pause as a Jacksonville fan to go. Do I trust my team to win this game? Because like we mentioned. Both Indianapolis and Houston are both eight and seven with uh, Jacksonville. Like if Jacksonville loses, those two teams could overtake them and Jacksonville could miss the playoffs. Yeah. So, So, yeah. How much time is Bryce Young going to have to throw in this game? Well, he's, he's had more the last couple of weeks and that's coincided with the fact that Carolina signed... Gabe Jackson, the long, the stalwart guard 
to their practice squad and he's played the last couple of weeks. So it's given them another veteran on that offensive line. They've changed their their philosophy from the start of the season from the Frank Reich running game and offense to they've sort of gone back to what they did last year. Like the thing that made them so successful last year when Steve Wilkes ran, uh, took over when Matt Rule was fired was it was a power running game that they used. It was try and get between the tackles, between the guards, let the let the big guys up front set the tone, and then you know, like Iki Aquanu plays has played better the last couple of weeks. Bradley Bozeman's played better at centre. He had a pretty you know horrid start to the year, and then this philosophy's changed and it's gone back to what he's best at. You know, um, yeah, they've lost they lost their two guards their starting guards in Brady Christensen and Austin Corbett, who got injured a few weeks back as well. But, you know, bringing Gabe Jackson in has really helped. Taylor Moten's played better along that offensive line. But it's it's not only been that, but it's been, uh, as you probably would have seen last week, Carolina got Amir Smith-Marset into the, involved in the game, whether it be on sweeps or passes. Like, just trying to change up this offense that little bit to try and get a spark and, you know, DJ Chark played really well last week. He had the two touchdowns. You know, it's just one of those things that that game, now, whether we, th- these were our two teams, so, you know, we could have both looked at this from different ways. But that that last quarter, there was some iffy calls that could have been that they, some went the Packers way. Like, and, and this is this is the thing, however you look at it, but that the Romeo Dobbs catch on the sideline. I was looking at that on Twitter to see what the fans were saying. Of course, all Packers fans were saying that was a catch. That's why it was reviewed. And they said, yep, play stands. All the Panthers fans were like, that was incomplete. And the referee afterwards like, yeah, no, we saw on the footage, he had his hand underneath the ball. And then people were showing the different sidelines. Like, well, what about this picture here where his left hand is clearly outstretched? And they're like, yeah, no, it's under the ball and things like, you know, so, you know what I mean? Like, there's, it depends on what side you were going for. But there was at least some some calls in there that you could go, you know, if they get flipped the other way, what happens to Carolina with that momentum they'd received? To Carolina end up going down and winning that game? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is obviously Trevor Lawrence out. I had Jacksonville picked because you don't trust Carolina. But the playing field's been leveled with Lawrence out. Mm. And if if Bryce Young gets time to throw, which he did last week, Packers couldn't get to him. He can make good things happen a little bit more than what he has been in the past this season because he hasn't had time this season. Mm. So I think the win and then the comeback last week, they'll be playing with a decent amount of confidence. And I think that'll be enough just for Bryce Young to play well enough to put them in a position to win the game. And I'll be yeah. picking Carolina to win. And I think, too, the defense has played better the last few weeks, but that sort of also coincided with the fact that they've got guys like JC Horn and Von Bell have come back into the team. Jeremy Chin, like these guys have come back into the team and that solidified that defense. And they've, you know, that they've played better and they look like they have a bit more confidence. But just from from what you saw last year. Now, I know you haven't watched many Carolina games this year, but it 
to you, did it look like that Bryce Young was just playing and having fun out there and not really like thinking a lot? Like he was yeah, just sort of yeah. You can tell when he's been overthinking in the past. Yeah, and and that's sort of what it looked like most of the year. It seemed like with the way that the Frank Reich style of offense was, it was very coordinated and you know how they were thinking about how he was thinking about things and that's when a lot of these mistakes were happening just these last couple of weeks it seems like that the interim coach Chris Tabor has pretty much gone mate don't don't worry about the results just go out and have fun and that's sort of what it's looked like the last couple of weeks is he's just gone right I'm just gonna go out do what I try and do what I did at Alabama and just have fun and play and it's sort of a shown and like I said Last week, it sort of that game looked a little bit iffy at half time. I thought there was no way that Carolina was going to get within, if they kept playing that way, they were going to get anywhere near it. And then suddenly that second half came and it looked like a completely different team. Yeah. And it also sort of felt like, you know, five more minutes. And I don't know if um, Green Bay wins that game. If there was five, just with the momentum and Carolina with the ball, if there was five minutes left. All they needed was two more seconds and they tied up to go to overtime. Mm. That's what I mean. But I feel like if there was even if there was two more minutes or five minutes left in that clock, I think that Carolina probably actually gets all the way down to the, and scores a touchdown. Oh, Packers weren't stopping anyone at that point. Mm. Which so, is ridiculous, but yeah. Which is, once again, is really frustrating for me as a Panthers fan to see the best football being played when it doesn't count. <laughs> um, especially, too, when you don't have a pick, like the first-round pick. But yeah. it, it's, it's at least something that is... Uh, I guess, encouraging to look forward to maybe, you know, if they can hit on some free agency and some draft picks this year, uh, you know, who knows what Carolina could do come next year. Hopefully it's better than what they've done. But it just sort of feels like after these last couple of games that maybe, maybe just maybe this offense has slightly turned a corner. Yeah, there's a little bit of momentum there. And they just need to ride that again this week and get a win over, like we said, a team that's been super inconsistent as well. And at the end of the day, as the Carolina Panthers players have been saying, they're just happy. If they could, if they're able to ruin someone else's season, they're all for it. So <laughs> if they're able to go out and ruin the Jag season, and Houston ends up taking that spot and they win win out and make the playoffs, I think the Panthers players as much as they'll be annoyed that they lo- they didn't make the playoffs they'll just be a- be just as happy pretty much the same way that the Detroit Lions were last year when they beat Green Bay in that last game of the season yeah. they're like hey if, if we're going to be sitting on the couch watching the playoffs we want you guys to be there watching with us too so yeah and more importantly from my point of view let's hope they go out there and ruin the Chicago Bears season by winning yeah. the game and not giving Chicago the number one pick and that's what we can all hope for at the end of the day so <laughs> Well, speaking of your team, it's the last game. It's a Sunday night football game. It is Green Bay at Minnesota. And prior to recording, the line on this was Minnesota were favourites by 0.5 points. So they've pretty much got this game as a pick em. Uh I'm highly confused by that because Minnesota is starting Jaron Hall at quarterback. I think my my thought, I think home field advantage, they're pretty much giving, it seems like from the betting thing, home field advantage is giving you about two-point favourite sort of thing. So they're saying that if this were in Green Bay, to me it seems like if this were in Green Bay, Green Bay would be one-and-a-half-point favourites. 
but because it's in Minnesota, they've given Minnesota the two points, which has really only put them as a, do you know what I mean? Like it just sort of seems yeah. like that's the only reason why this, like I said, half a point favorite over Green Bay when Green Bay really should be favorite based off of um, the, the talent and who's actually playing. Yeah, I think it's the Joe Barry effect in full swing as well. Mm. They'll be coming up against a mobile quarterback. <laughs> Packers fans aren't confident at all about this game, and they should be because the offense is playing extremely well. Mm. But Jordan Love, the last five games, I think it is, he's thrown 11 touchdowns and just one interception. Mm. He's among the league leaders in stats over the past five games. And yet we're coming up against a rookie fifth-round quarterback, Jaron Hall, and no one's confident. Yeah. Because you just think, what the hell is our defense going to do to let Minnesota in this game and potentially win it? Yeah. And, I mean, if this were Kirk Cousins playing, I'd have more faith in Minnesota because I just feel like he would just throw the ball to Justin Jefferson and Jefferson would end up with about 387 yards this week because Jair Alexander has been suspended for conduct detrimental to the team because of a coin toss last week. Yeah. Like that's, that's yeah. a whole nother scenario, well, which is. Yeah. Going against the coach, what the coaches have said that there's got to be more to that story. I don't know what's going on there, but there's got to be more to it than just that. So if anyone hasn't heard, can you just give a quick rundown as to what happened, as to why he's been suspended? Basically, Jai Alexander is from Carolina, and so they're playing at Carolina. So he's going out for the coin toss. He wasn't a team captain. He's announced himself as a team captain. He's just gone out for the coin toss. Apparently, the coaches have said no. He's ignored that and gone out. Now... For me, surely you have a much bigger conversation about this leading into the game of going, hey, listen, I want to do this. Where do we stand on it? And the coaches either go, yeah, that's okay, we'll go with that, or no. If it's a no, then okay, that should be it. But why is it a no? Like, come on. And then- but, yeah, there's a lot going on there at the moment, I think. And then it seems like from what I was sort of like reading in about it, that when he when the Packers won the coin toss, he said, we're going to play defense instead yeah, of saying that they were deferring, that instead of deferring to the second half. And that was, he was saved by the ref who went, oh, so Green Bay's deferring. Is that, that was what I read? So I apparently, all of it, I don't pay attention to the coin toss rules and that sort of thing, mm. but. From what I can gather, apparently, if you say you want to defer, then you get the ball for the second half. So you're Ooh. kicking off in the first half. If you come out and say, we want to be on defense, the way I'm hearing it from what I think I've seen is, so you're kicking off in the first half, you're then kicking off in the second half as well. Yeah, I, I don't... So you're giving up two possessions, basically. That's sort of what I would... Like, that's what I'm making it sound like, but then... Yeah, yeah I think... Which I'm highly confused about, because I don't well, I think that. The, the way that I was sort of reading into it was that... So if if you're deferring to the second... Like, you're deferring to the second half, so you're then getting to pick which direction 
that you're going to be going in the first quarter or where, whatever sort of thing. So then that way you're able to then determine like, okay, if there's a howling wind going to one end, yeah. you want that in the fourth quarter in case you need to have the game-winning field goal from 65 yards out. Like, you want that yeah. win sort of thing. So, But I think if he comes out and he says that we're playing defence, that's eliminating them from picking that side as well. Like, I think that yeah, had no. something to do with it as well. Like it's so confusing. but A whole lot of confusion going on with it. But, yeah, I just – I would it like, it just sort of seems like that maybe there was actually potentially a few other issues that have been behind closed doors – yeah. which have all boiled over when that's happened on the weekend. They've gone but to he, has, he hasn't had a good year. He's been mm. injured. He hasn't had a good year. He's not the quarter uh, cornerback that we know he can be. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just a tough situation. And people saying that, oh, in a win and not so much win and you're in, but in a game you need to win to keep your playoff hopes alive. You're suspending your best cornerback over something like this. It's like, well, yeah, he's gone against the coaches and what they've said. Mm. He's just flat out ignored him. Like, how can you not suspend him for it, sort of thing? Yeah, it, it just after hearing the stories and being utterly confused by everything that came out, it just sort of to me it felt like one of those things where that was the final straw. That maybe there was some issues leading up to this, the, the coaching staff and the front office and all that, it's sort of, okay, that's one bit, that's one bit, that's one bit. Then yeah. finally, in the end, they finally got sick of it all and gone, do you know what? Shut up. You're missing the week. You know, yeah. let's just, that's just going to teach you now. You're not the one in charge here. The others are, like, that's sort of, that. that's just that's just my theory. I'm not saying that's what actually happened. Yeah, that's just sort of what is only over the coin toss. That, that's what, that was my thinking too. I was like, that's pretty, if, the, if it was just that, that to me sort of seems more like one of those things where as a team, you potentially find the player, like you find him and you say, Hey, you've gone against our orders. Here's a fine, but you're still playing. It's just one of those things that, you know, give us five grand and that's your, we're holding back five grand from your next pay or whatever it is. I think the thing fine that Packers, and- Packers fans are being most annoyed about is they seem to hold the players accountable like this, for instance. And then you've got Joe Barry just calling the worst defense ever. Mm. And he's just allowed to continue on in his role. And I think that frustration in Packers fans has started to boil over and well, how can they do that to Jar? And then you've got mm. Joe Barry just being completely useless and they just keep rolling along with him. Yeah. So well, I, I guess yeah. And and this is the thing that's so difficult in terms of like obviously seeing what's going on not knowing what's going on behind closed doors and things like that. Like, you know, it, I, I'm not saying that this is happening, but you you wonder at times, like, are the players actually, actually listening to what Joe Barry's asking them to do? Is there, is there standards that they have and, and assignments that these guys are supposed to be doing? But at the end of the day, the play gets called and they go, ah, screw that. I know more than him. I want to do it my way. Like, yeah, I, you don't know. Yeah, and that's the worst thing for me with like I had a feeling they were gonna keep Joe Barry till the end of the year. He's off contract after this year. Then you just get to the point where they just ride this season out, not try and up up all everything mm. while they're in the playoff hunt, despite Joe Barry. Yeah. But if yeah, if the team are playing for him, then it's not a good look keeping him on the staff. And and, and that's where the biggest frustration's been. And see, maybe and to me, maybe as well, maybe that like 
you know, because Jai has been pretty outspoken in previous years and things like that and games when he would want to be. I remember back to last year when you played Minnesota in that first game of the year, um, Jefferson had nearly 200 yards and, yeah. you know, Jair came out and pretty much said like, well, if the defense, if the coordinator let me do what I wanted to do, he wouldn't have had that. And yeah. then, you know, I wonder if there was potentially like, like I said, this is all just me speculating, but if they're not listening to what he's doing and they want to do things their own way, maybe is Jair the one who's the catalyst behind it all? Or maybe that's what's led to the suspension. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. is he the person who's telling them, Hey, just do what you want to do sort of thing. Like you just, this is where it's, it's hard to speculate when you aren't behind the door, closed doors every day with the team. Like it just. Well, that's it. And look, despite everything, Green Bay still within playoff hunt. Their mm. offense is rolling. I'm tipping them to win this game. Yeah. But I just have no faith in that defense at all. It's going to be on Jordan Love and the offense to score enough points. The one, the one last thing that I'll say, because I'm with you, I think Green Bay win this game. But the one quote that I saw Joe Barry say was that for 53 minutes last week against Carolina, that defense played outstanding. It was just the last seven minutes. It was just seven minutes that let yeah. them down. And as opposed to the actual fact where I was like, maybe for 53 minutes you played a little bit of defense. And the last seven minutes, you played no defense, and maybe yeah. that's what it actually was. Yeah, it's just no accountability there, and just awful situation. But hey, as as the coordinator, maybe you just got to project that out to your guys. You got to be like, hey, you guys played fantastic. You were outstanding. They just made some plays that were out of your control, and maybe that's just how he's got to try and do it to keep these guys motivated and happy. Maybe that's why how he feels it's the best way he gets the best out of these guys is to not go out in the media and say, hey, my defense was shit for 60 minutes. Maybe he just, that was his way of trying to go, hey, if I go out and tell them that they played fantastic for all bar seven minutes, then maybe that helps them. Who knows? Yeah. No, I got Green Bay though. Let's hope they get the win, especially against Minnesota. And and this is, a, this is another one where, depending then on the results of other games, could determine whether they actually score squeak into the playoffs and they need to win out as well so yeah well they need to win both their remaining games and then yeah this have massive yeah and then obviously have the results go their way which pittsburgh seattle that would have the ripple on effect if pittsburgh beat seattle it's sort of yeah yeah this this is where this is all getting to the the fun and interesting point of the season so that'll do us for this episode dan have you got anything to say before we get out of here for the night no, there's a few important games this week, so let's hope we get some exciting games and keep our focus on them all through Red Zone and the ones we watch by themselves. Exactly, and we will... Well, I like to say we will be back next week, but of course with this time of year, it's always really hard to tell when and where we'll be and if we'll be able to be back, but we will hopefully be back next week. Things and... should be settling down now, heading into the new year. Yeah, and then once the off-season starts rolling around too, you are going to see a bit of a switch up in terms of what we do. We've Dan and I have been going back and forth too with a few different um, show ideas for things that will be fun for everyone to reminisce about some old times. So we'll, we'll get into that as the off-season rolls around as well. But we've got plenty of things coming for you. It'll be a fun off-season. So 
Thank you, Dan. Once again, Happy New Year, mate. Merry Christmas. Thanks, mate. Enjoy New Year. Stay safe. Yes, you too. And everyone else out there, please stay safe. Don't drink or drive. Don't do anything stupid like that. We don't need that at this time of year or any time of year, to be honest. But on behalf of Dan, you can find him on Twitter at beard underscore 82. You can find me at bradbolt one on Twitter, on threads, wherever you, Instagram, wherever you find your, whatever social medias you happen to be on. You can find us at NFL Lab Networks, find us Spotify, YouTube. We'll start having some more YouTube videos coming out soon. So on behalf of Dan and myself, I want to say thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab.